Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Testing one, two, three, and we are a go. Welcome to another episode of the Lonely Hearts Sports Podcast. Uh, might as well just call this Two Dudes in a Podcast uh, for the next few weeks uh, because we are in the dog days of summer officially. Um, we really don't have a lot on topic for you guys today. Kind of just going to take, take the podcast and see where it goes and run with it for the most part. Um, I know that we do want to talk about the Open Championship and, you know, how Colin Morikawa just murdered Royal St. George's, uh, much uh, contrary to my unpopular hot take of how there would be no winner nobody in the minuses or even at even so kudos <laughs> to him and uh me being an idiot i guess um yeah, I know we, yeah um i do uh but we i know i know more i know more than most we know more than most uh we don't know all we know more than most um uh but yeah i know we also want to touch base on the nhl expansion draft and uh with how apparently 99 like 99% of the roster from the expansion draft has been leaked throughout today. So we'll touch base there. The NHL draft is going to take place on Friday. Talk a bit, a little bit about that as well. And then also just see like maybe like where the rest of the podcast takes us, but let's get right into it and just recap the open championship. That was this past week at Royal St. George's Colin Morikawa murdered the course. Um, Honestly, I really feel like the course actually took a beating, not just from Morikawa, but from a good amount of, uh, from a few other people as well. Uh, Morikawa, obviously the winner of the tournament, but Jordan Spieth golfed really well. Um, we thought that he would have been the winner. Um, we were, we were wrong. Like I said, we know more than most. Uh, we said that Spieth would be the winner. We also said that Spieth would probably Spieth and or Kepka would be the only American golfers to have an eye, to have, to have an eye on. And we were wrong on that because, well, Morikawa, the winner from California. So, uh, but yeah, no, Spieth golfed really well, kind of murdered the course. Even Louis Ustazen, he even though he fell apart on Sunday, he still golfed pretty well over a four day basis. And yeah, I mean, Brooke, I mean, like anybody, like in the top 10 for the most part, like they kind of, they, they, they got it together in the final couple of days. Uh, everybody that finished in the top 10 kind of just found their groove on the course and, the course wasn't really a match for anybody in the top 10, in my honest opinion. It was just a matter of who was finishing where after Morikawa. Uh, your ta- what, what's your take on how everything went over the four days of Royal St. Gorgeous? Well, I think this is the most beautiful weekend the Open could have asked for. I mean, typically when you go over there to Europe, when you're playing golf, it's just fucking shit conditions just throughout the weekend. It's typically raining over there or super windy, or just muggy, or not muggy, excuse me, but like overcast, whatever you want. This weekend, it was beautiful all weekend, and it really played no effect on the golfers for the most part. Um, I heard more this Thursday around. He said that it was, he got screwed because he had the later tea, one of the later tea times on Thursday, and um, it ended up being super windy for him. But he said, other than that, 
the course or the course really didn't play a factor on him with the conditions wise. But um no, it is a that is a tough course to play up. I mean, I mean you saw the numbers. I mean Mark Howe came in at minus fifteen. Our guy Jordan Speed came in at minus thirteen. And you can always count on Louis O to be up there when it comes to a major. So um but I know the course, I mean, didn't really play much effect to the people. I think that is a significant reason Morikawa won because if you know anything about Kyle Morikawa, he is very lethal with his wedges. There was a stat out there. He puts his six iron, his six iron shots just as close to the hole as people do with their pitching wedges and down. So basically what that means for all you non-golfing people, six iron, you're going to be able to hit the ball further than say like a pitching wedge, or like a nine iron. And he is sticking the ball within four feet with the six iron. And that is unreal. He, um, Last week, he played in the Scottish Open. It was his first time he's had playing Lynx golf. He said he never played it before in his life up until last week at the Scottish Open. And then this week, he comes to the Open and just does what he needs to do to win. Um, I mean, I, I get he won by two strokes, but if you I mean, if you look at it, that's really nothing over a four-day. That's a shot here and there over a four-day uh, period because, I mean, look at John Rahm. He – his Friday, Saturday, and Sunday rounds, he was tied with uh, Morikawa. But unfortunately, on uh, Thursday, Morikawa shot a 66, and uh, John Rahm shot a 70 or 71, and he ended up losing by four strokes anyway. So, I mean, the difference is just fine margins when it comes to golf. I get we look at the – when you come in and see a score, like people beating people by two, it's like, wow, they dominate. But it's like, no, it's a shot here and there over the weekend. I mean, you can have a bad break on Friday. They can come back to screw you on Sunday because – that's just how close golf is when you actually think about it with these people. But no, definitely uh Colin Morikawa just gonna be an unreal talent. He's 24 years old now. Um, already has two major wins. He won the PGA championship two years ago, and now or last year, excuse me, and now this year he comes and wins the well, you're right two years ago, the 2019 PGA. Oh, that's right, that's right. And uh, so now Callum Morikawa has played in eight majors and already has uh, two major wins. He's winning at a 25% shot right now. I mean, those are crazy numbers that I would predict that he can't stay at. But being 24 years old, that is just amazing how good this kid is. I I get we, we I mean, me and you picked uh, Spieth and Kepka from the U.S. to be able to contend for this tournament. Both of them were up there with that. But Morikawa... Uh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, like I said, he went through that. He went through an iron change. Uh, said last week he did, wasn't really feeling himself with his irons. So he went through an iron change for this weekend, and clearly it made a huge difference for him. I mean, to shoot minus 15 is unreal. Oh, yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, more. I mean, Morikawa just honestly, like, had pr- probably four of the best days of – four – great days of golf probably like shot the best tournament potential that we had seen but like you know honestly since well honestly probably since actually rom was uh, at the u.s open honestly but the thing is though is like all the major winners like they all the major winners more cow uh uh more cow rom phil um shit who won the masters again i'm losing it here a little bit Matsuyama. Matsuyama, yeah, Matsuyama. They all had four, all four of those winners had four great days of golf. They were on a, they were very, they were very consistent for the most part. 
uh, they were very consistent for the most part. And like, if you have four good days of golf, honestly, you like, on like, if you're just consistently getting around, like getting like anywhere between a 66 and a 68 on a four day basis, then yeah, you have a pretty good shot of winning the tournament. And I, and that's no shot in the dark to like, you know, what Spieth did, what Spieth did at, to come in second, because like you said, there it goes into the fine margins of how golf can actually be like really close sometimes. And Spieth said it himself. One thing that he looks at in terms of like, you know, maybe like where it went wrong for him was how he finished on Saturday with that bogey bogey finish on the final two holes. And that's how he ended up getting into the second to last group pairing and not in the final pairing with Morikawa. And because the thing is, though, is like Spieth was like, he golf, he had a good Sunday. Like you can't really say that Spieth didn't have a bad Sunday, honestly. Like he did all that he could do, but Morikawa, Morikawa couldn't do anything wrong that day. Morikawa did everything right. From driving the ball, from driving from his drives uh, to the short game, like you mentioned, with the wedges and the irons, and honestly, the man just couldn't miss a putt. No, yeah, he is. Kyle Morikawa is not a great putter. I think he is one fiftieth on tour in putting averages, something like that. Some something ridiculous. It's like in the it's, crazy. It's uh, but no, he putted the lights out this weekend. But like you said, Spieth, he shot a minus four on Sunday, and. Ended up just not being enough because of that bogey bogey on Saturday. So not uh, he actually would have been playing with Ustahazen because Ustahazen was losing going into Sunday, and Morikawa I believe was trailing. Yes, so, Morikawa was tra- trailing. But yeah, it's just it's just a thing like like you said those fine margins. Like even if he goes if par par or even bogey par, I think if he could bogey par there, I think he's still playing in the final group on Sunday. But still, it's just those fine margins that like people don't realize. Exactly. Involved. Like it's like you put four speeds put four great days together. He shoots a minus thirteen in a tournament. I think in any other major this year, like that even if uh, this is gonna be stupid to say, like take Morikawa out of like if you wouldn't have known Morikawa was gonna win in the minus fifteen, if I told you the winner's gonna shoot a if, if the person first is gonna shoot a minus thirteen, you would have believed me. Like a minus thirteen is a very great score. But it oh, just wasn't yeah. enough for this weekend, unfortunately, no, for Spieth. Oh, yeah. No, without a doubt. It definitely wasn't enough. Uh, well, bringing up that stat, like you mentioned about how Morikawa putting and like how his putting has been all season. Like it's been it hasn't been great, like on an overall basis. But he ended up leading the entire tournament in putting uh, the entire week. He was tops. Uh, he was tops in putting. Like it was, just, it was insane. Like I remember when they put up, pulled up that stat uh, on Sunday. Like when he, I, I believe like he was like in the middle, like on those, like literally getting towards the end of the tournament. I think he may have been like on uh, thirteen or fourteen actually, and they put up that stat. And I'm like, wait a second, he's been leading like in putts and putting like throughout the entire field this week, and he's like hundred fifth, like about hundred fiftieth, like in putting on like in the season, like that's insane. Like, I, I don't know what, what he did to like have work for him for putting. He actually, but... he uh, added, I think it was like seven grams of weight to his putter this weekend. And that yeah. probably made a huge difference because he said for him, now he doesn't have to change up his stroke. He can hit the same stroke and now he just needs to know the power behind it. Oh yeah. No, without a doubt there. But yeah. So him doing that obviously 
and it helped benefit him in not in, not only in the short term here, but we'll see how it works for him in the long run as well. Uh, as you know, we get closer to the FedEx Cup playoffs, uh, and actually the Olympics. He's in Tokyo. Uh, he's going to be in Tokyo per- participating in the Olympics uh, for the United States in the golf uh, in the golf tournament that they're having for in the for, uh, in the Olympics. So then he'll f- we'll see how he does with the with everything in the Olympics, and then leading up to the FedEx Cup playoffs, and then also we have the Ryder Cup that we've that we have mentioned uh, many times previously whenever we talk about golf. So we'll see how he continues to make adjustments with his putting. Uh, and then also, like you said, about like how he's got a bright future. Like, I mean, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if I see him like, you know, actually in contention for a medal, uh, any medal, honestly. Like, I mean, like, you know, cause it's the Olympics. Anything could really happen. You literally could have Joe. You literally could have Joe Blow from around the fucking corner, uh, just go lights out uh, and win a medal, especially and win a medal. But I mean, there are a lot of good golfers actually participating in the Olympics, uh, not just for the United States, but for other countries as well. So we can see how that happens for him there. But yeah, no, Callum Morikawa definitely has a bright future. Twenty-five percent uh, winning percentage uh, at majors, two for eight. Uh, so far, um, but going back to Speed, I got is he back? Is Speed back? I know that he didn't win the major, but do you think that how he's been golfing on a consistent basis uh, this season? He did have that win in San Antonio. Um, he was in contention for the most part in uh, in, in the mate in the three out of the four majors that I know that I know of. Uh, until the final day, like right in, up until the final day and including the final day. Do you think he's back? Um, I, I wouldn't go, <laughs> excuse me. I wouldn't go as far as just saying he is completely back yet, but I mean, he has played solid this year and if he can, unfortunately we're right toward the end of the golf season now, but if he can carry this into next season and say he contests at Augusta next year. And then I would say he, if he contests at Augusta, in my opinion, he has a great chance of winning a major next year. So I wouldn't consider Jordan Spieth fully back as much as I want him to be. Unfortunately, I got to be more uh, pessimistic about this just because golf's a fucking tough sport and anything can happen on a week. But uh, no, if, if he contests at Augusta next year, um, I'll, I'll say it right now. If he is top five or actually I'll even give a top 10 at Augusta next year, he will win one of the majors next year. Dude. Do not doubt me on that. Fair enough. Fair enough. For when the time comes to discuss the 2021 Masters, we will bring we will bring that uh, we will bring that take up there, and I'll keep a mental note in my head uh, somewhere for down the road there. But um, I think he, I, I'm going to agree with you and disagree with you a little bit. I don't. Uh, I think that he's back in terms of like his confidence is back, and hit, like in terms of like you know him being able to golf on a consistent basis. Uh, like golf, like have really good rounds of golf on a consistent basis, be in contention for tournaments on a consistent basis. I will say he's back in that as- aspect. Um, in terms of winning a major, I mean, I really thought we both had thought that this would be the major that he would win. Uh, but the thing is, though, is, you know, we were wrong. 
Uh, but uh, going into, he still has a he still has a good shot for the FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, still, so we'll see what happens there. Um, and then obviously, you know, like you said, going into the 2021 Masters, um, that's not until, sorry, 2022 Masters. Oh my God, I'm losing my mind myself. Why didn't you correct? You didn't even correct me there uh, when I said it the first time. Uh, I didn't even catch that. I, saw, I thought we were in 2020 still. So. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. We're, we're, we're both out of it. Um, it's uh, right on my mind. I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. Not even, not even thinking about it. That's fair. The 2022 Masters there, when we get into that thought process about um, to, uh, talking there, like I said, I'll remember that top t- that take there. But the thing is, though, is I feel like he actually, like, if he takes this momentum into the end of the season with the FedEx Cup playoffs, with the Ryder Cup, because let's be honest, you're not gonna ha- you're not not gonna have Jordan Spieth on your on the US Ryder Cup team. No, especially you, with how he's playing now, he, he will hundred percent be on that team. Yeah, you have to be a complete fucking idiot not to have him on your t- on the Ryder Cup team. So with how he we'll see how he goes throughout the rest of the season. We'll see how he does at the Ryder Cup. And then obviously, like we'll look into next season, like with like the beginning of next season with the Florida slate, and then the Texas, the Texas slate, and then because you know, like he'll 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 make he'll he'll make his appearances at the tournaments that he wants to go to, um, obviously before the Masters, and you know, if he wins, how about this? If if Jordan Spieth wins that Sawgrass, I think he wins the Masters. If he if, Jordan if he wins the, if he wins the Players Championship, he will win the Masters. Players Championship is after the Masters, buddy. No, it's not. Oh, it's not. That's right. They changed that. Yeah. I wasn't. Go- I. That's right. They changed. They changed that. Oh shit. Yeah, um, yeah. Don't come at me because I. I'm typically right. I'm the smart one of this podcast. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, okay. Okay. I'm the smart one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Can we uh, talk about about Bryson DeChambeau for a second? Yeah, but let me finish my take here. I was gonna say if he wins the Arnold Palmer, I think he wins the Masters. Um, uh, before we get into the Shambo though, and how he completely shit the bed, uh, which was great. But uh, I think um, uh, I think yeah, uh, I think it would kind of be like Tiger in 2019 when he won the Masters. Tiger finished uh, Tiger finished in the top five at the 2018 Open. In fact, he finished like tied for second, if I remember correctly, behind Molinari. Um, yeah, and, him and Malinari were dueling because they were. Yeah, the him and Malinari were the last pairing. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know everybody thought that that was the major that Tiger was going to win if he ever won one again. But then the 2019 Masters came and went, and he won that. So I feel like we'll see kind of like a repeat, like a repeated cycle there in a way. I feel like uh, you know, Speed came in second in the Open, and then following Masters, he'll win in 2022. That's my take there. Uh, but yeah, uh, Bryson, everybody's favorite golfer, Bryson DeChambeau, um, uh, he completely pooped the fucking bed. I don't um, even want to talk about that. I want to talk about his Thursday round interview. Oh, this okay. prick. Did you you saw what he said, right? No, I didn't actually. All right, so this is new for you too. Well, basically, Bryson crybaby DeChambeau comes out uh, after shooting a seventy-one on Thursday, saying that he basically hates his driver and that his mishits aren't going straight as he wants them to, and yada, yada, this, yada, yada, basically blaming oh, his poor play on the driver. I know what you're talking yeah. about now. And this, I- this idiot has the audacity. If, if you're a fucking golfer, you – sorry for my language. If you're a golfer, if you don't hit the ball clean, you know your mishits aren't going to be straight ever. And if you're swinging at a 200-mile-an-hour club head speed, it's hard enough to hit the ball straight. And then on top of that, he's a five-degree driver – 
which basically is basically hitting your driver with a putter, realistically. Everyone, normal golfers are typically hitting their drivers at like nine degree loft, 10 degree loft, or anywhere up to 12 degree loft. No one is going that low as a five degree driver. He has the audacity to blame Cobra for this. And thankfully, the golf world spoke out about this, and I loved it. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, his uh, his best friend, uh, Brooks Kepka, said that he loves his driver. Great day for great day for driving out on the course or something like that. Um, uh, so that was kind of funny when Kepka chimed in about that one there. <clears throat> um, uh, but, yeah, no, I did remember actually what you were talking about there with that. So it was actually kind of funny because, you know, he had a shit round on Thursday blaming the club kind of like you know he kind of pulled like he kind of pulled like a typical like av- like a he pulled an average golfer just said yeah, blaming everything else but himself exactly he played like you know like if i was out there oh it's the club's fault the club is fucking shit mate uh, oh yeah driver can driver driver isn't working for me today it's right the if, fucking it, was, if it wasn't for my clubs i'd be on fucking tour two to shambo no oh, but yeah, he, you know exactly. it's an issue even when justin thomas who doesn't probably one of the most laid back guys on tour comes out and says something about it. Did you see as what he said on uh, the Instagram post? No, I did not actually. Enlighten yeah, me. He, came out, us. he said, uh, don't quote me a hundred percent on this. Cause I'm going to butcher this quote. But basically he said, well, imagine that not being able to hit a ball straight when you're swinging uh, your club at 200 miles an hour and with a five degree loft. And then he said, you would think Mr. Physics would know that. Oh, damn. That's actually pretty yeah. funny. And then uh, the Cobra. So you remember the guy how was Bryson's caddy quit uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whatever it was? At the Rocket Mortgage, yeah. And so the filling caddy was a guy from Cobra, right? Well, after okay. after Bryson's comment, the guy from Cobra, the caddy for Bryson came out and said, God, basically he's like, God, I hate when he's like this. He's like listening to an upset eighth grader just saying whatever he wants and thinking he has no – consequences for it they said we're busting our ass day and night for him but it's impossible to basically work with this guy damn this guy honestly like this is a hot take here honestly i feel like the shambo really has no future in golf honestly based on all the comments uh, that and all the hatred that he gets because of how much of an asshole he is i mean like if he if he has he's got an, uh, he's got an on onto a rivalry with brooks kapka there are other golfers that find him a pain in the ass, and now even his caddy leaves him for whatever reasons to be un, to be known that they are, and then at the same time now his cat his fill-in caddy who works for the company that makes his drivers, if they're saying this about him, that's just insane. Like I really feel like that this guy Bryson DeChambeau. <clears throat> Really could be out of the game of golf in maybe like two to three years, and this is a this is a wild out of. Well, the problem is the problem is Bryson is still a real golfer. I do not take anything away from him. Clearly, he he's a major winner for a reason. He's won a couple times on tour now, so he's making his money. But I mean, in my opinion, it it seems like Bryson has too many yes men around him in his camp, where people will not say no to the guy. He I think needs, they're afraid to say yeah. I, I yeah, think they're afraid like, to say no. He has his yes men around him where he needs someone in his camp that's going to stand up and even not even like just say, like get with him after rounds and just say, hey, listen, this is what we're going to say. No need to say anything more. Like just basically tell him what to say. And he just doesn't need those yes men around him because he literally just 
sometimes I think he just speaks out of his ass and doesn't, he thinks he doesn't have any consequences to it. But uh, if I was Cobra, I would drop him, in my opinion. He's supposed to be the face of Cobra Golf because, don't get me wrong, Cobra is like a middle-of-the-line golf company. Um, I mean, realistically, they only have uh, Ricky Fowler as their other face of that company. And Ricky, you see people all the time on golf courses wearing the all-orange outfit, and that's for Ricky Fowler. You don't see any any guy on a golf course rocking that Bryson DeChambeau stupid hat. I'm sorry, if I was Cobra, I would drop him. He's supposed to be just the face of your company, and he says that about you. Just drop him. Exactly. Yeah, that's what that's where my hot take about him having really no future in golf is coming from, because all his comments, like are like you said, straight out of his ass for the most part, and they're all negative. Which is, I mean, yeah, the rivalry of Kepka is is kind of a, is an entertaining thing. But if you have other golfers like Justin Thomas and even like the people that like you know sponsor you coming out and saying you know, oh, this guy's too negative, or if this guy's just making comments that he doesn't need to be making or saying shit out of his ass, uh, uh, saying shit that comes out of his ass, like, that's not who you want to be working with at all. So, I mean... Especially with how hard those Cobra executives are working to try to help Bryson, because it's impossible to make a driver for that guy that's going to go straight on his mishits just based on the fact and how fast he's swinging and then to have a five-degree loft driver is just unheard of. Like, it's really impossible for you to have any of your mishits straight. Like, well, that's, he that's needs my... to slow his swing down and try to – like, I get, yeah, you want to go for a power and yada, yada. Yeah, it's cool if you drive your ball over the over the water at the Arnold Palmer, whatever. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, great. You can pound the ball out there 380 yards every time. But guess what? If it's not straight, it's not helping you. You see guys like Colin Morikawa who just won the Open, who he, he'll hit the ball far, but it's not he's not unreal with his driving, and he's just lethal with his irons. Exactly. Exactly there. And, you know, like you said, going back to the yes men and the camp thing, like maybe like they're probably afraid to tell him no, honestly. In my, this is my opinion. I obviously know nothing about what goes on in the camp of Bryson DeChambeau. And honestly, I can I couldn't give two shits what happens in the camp of Bryson DeChambeau either. But you, like you said, he probably has too many yes men. He probably has nobody standing up to him on anything that he has to say. And honestly, I really think that he's overthinking it in terms of the science of it and not focusing on the golf aspect of it. Like he's putting too much science. He's he's putting too much physics into a game that already has enough math and science integrated into the game based on the technology of the clubs and of the balls and whether or not like you want to swing at 200 miles an hour or less uh, at whatever degree loft you want it to be. Like you really don't need to be forced. He, he really doesn't need to be having these uh, Cobra people that he works with, like doing all of this just to like help him with his technology, the technology at his disposal. When in reality, maybe he should, like you said, change, change up the clubs a little bit and actually learn how to, make adjustments to the mechanics of his swing or not just with the driver, but with his irons and his wedges as well. Right. I mean, you look at it, the average speed for guys on a PGA tour for their driver club head speed is typically only about like 110 to 115 miles an hour. Like even like I'm pretty close to that with my driver. I think my club has you, my driver is like 105 or something like that. And that's fast for me. So 
and the pros are only doing 110 to 115. He's what about 85, almost 90, 90 miles an hour over that. It just basically makes it impossible. Like there's actually no physics you can put into that drive. And the problem is too, there is no one that swings as fast as him where they can get those like kind of like the prototypes all of and see how to do it. Like they're taking all of his statistics and trying to fix it just based off of him. Whereas you look at any other normal driver, like for all the other players, it's like they're taking the average of basically every guy that swings that fast and how they can fix it. Whereas if you look at a guy like him, they're not going to be able to because they only have his statistics. The only other way you could get someone that swings that fast and like you can get the stats on it is probably had, you'd have to make a robot for it. To yeah. And I don't think they want to put the money into that just to help no. one guy out. No, not at all. Like I said there, he's focusing too much on the science of it and not yeah. the actual sport of it, which is a crying shame, actually. Because- it's funny, though, because, too, you look at it when he won when he won the Arnold Palmer Invitational this year. It was never his driver's fault, right? When, yeah. When he won the Rocket Mortgage last year, no issues with his driver. When he won the U.S. Open, no issues with his driver. The only issue to ever come in for him when he's not playing good and he wants to throw blame on everyone else when he should just be taking a look in the mirror, which I just don't get. There has got to be something wrong with this guy to be like that, whether it's just he's too like too much self-centralized and has too big of ego to realize that. But, like, I mean, there's never any issues when stuff's going good, but as soon as stuff goes bad, it's just he wants to throw everyone under the bus but himself. Oh, yeah. Like I said, there's no room in there's no room for in any sport for an ego like that, which is like I said, my hot take. You know, he won't have much of a future in golf if he continues down this trend, um, and that's a shame too. Because if he actually decided to focus more on golfing and not science, the science associated with it, he's a pretty damn good golfer. On his on his day, he's a pretty damn good golfer. But um, uh, when he's off his game, like like he's golfing like complete dog shit out there. Like, yeah, he's pro- he's completely terrible. Yeah, there's no uh, in between with him. He's either winning the tournament or he's playing like complete dog shit. There is no in between with Bryson DeChambeau. None whatsoever. And for a golfer of his age, honestly, with like what he is capable of doing, you really don't think you needed to. You really don't think it's possible there. But like, like don't get me wrong, this guy's gonna make plenty of money on his tour in his life. I mean, he's still young, so he's gonna make so much money on tour that he's not even gonna care. But it's just the fact of the matter is that the whole golf world hates him, and he just no one can stand the guy. I mean, like, yeah, it was when he first came out when he was swinging, and I was like, oh yeah, this is cool, yada yada yada. And now he's just a complete, absolute asshole. Yeah, everybody realized that this guy's an asshole. And Which I never liked the guy to begin with, so I don't care that he's like this now. But even when everyone was hyped up about how fast he was swinging, how far he can hit the ball, I never hopped on that train because I just I, – like, I follow golf, and I knew he was kind of like – if you follow him on Instagram or anything, he's just kind of like a weirdo. And, like, you can see when he posts Instagram stories with his friends that they, like, are the yes-men type, and they just want to be a part of – a fate, like basically be a part of a famous person like Bryson DeChambeau who I'm friends with him, and they won't tell him no ever. Oh, I need we need people like that in our lives. Yes, yes, Jeremy. Yes, Jake. Yes. No, nah, actually, no, I would never want a person like that in my life. I would actually be that. That's no, I'd, rather have, I'd rather have someone be real with me. Exactly. Having someone tell me everything I'm doing that is stupid is okay. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah hey guys i'm gonna go jump over niagara falls yes jake go oh, do fuck. it I, I, would let, I, would, I would let you do that jeremy 
This is as <laughs> on a test to see if people can actually live going over the falls. I'll, I'll be, I'll follow you. Don't worry. <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't need to test that out. Uh, sure. <laughs> it's been done many times before. Also, there's got to be uh, a way you can survive that. Come on, let's be honest. There's got to be a way. No, there is a way. People have. Well, no, oh, I thought everyone died going over the falls. Nope, Dave. There was two. There was. There have been two. Recently, there have been two people that have lived going over the falls in barrels. Um, one guy in the 80s did it, and then a guy in the 90, 80, late 80s and early 90s did it twice. Um, got arrested both what times. What the fuck and- has to be wrong with you to go over the falls twice? Um, what is going through his mind? He just wanted to do it again. He just wanted to do it again. One, um, one, one time wasn't enough for him. What the fuck? <laughs> no, not at all. No, not at all. The guy still lives across the border in St. Catharines, too, if I'm correct. I got to meet this man and just kind of get get through what was going on. We got to get around the podcast just to see what's going on. <laughs> uh, just, if we have connections like that, we I want to know what's going through. What's yeah, we got. Um, I guess I guess we're gonna go down a rabbit hole of, of research and try to find out where Dave Monday is. <laughs> it can't be that hard nowadays. All the technology, we can get his phone number. <laughs> hey, want probably probably to come on a podcast we'll give you five dollars for it <laughs> probably find him on facebook for all we know um uh but uh no i mean we don't yeah bryson has yes men um honestly if he told them to jump over the falls they would probably say yes um <laughs> don't need that happening honestly um don't need yes men men don't need yes men like that honestly nobody really needs that um but it's just kind of crazy and cringeworthy there, but I do want to move on because, you know, like I said, I do want to, even though I thought we were done talking hockey because it's July, we're not <laughs> done talking. We're not done talking hockey. Um, everybody's new favorite team or least favorite team, potentially, once you hear what this roster is starting to look like, the Seattle Kraken have their the expansion draft tonight and the lovely people at TSN particularly Frank Saravelli decided to start leaking out everything and telling people over social media what like who the Kraken were taking who they weren't taking who they were thinking about taking uh-huh. and on, and honestly this roster it's fucking trash, honestly. It's yeah, horrendous. I was, I was just going to say, they have so many better options on the table for every single one of this. I mean, the only real pick that I see, like, I look at, I'm like, oh, okay, that's a good pick, is if it's true, Jordan Eberle from the Islanders. That is the only yeah. – the and, and I guess uh, Yanni Gordo from Tampa. But, I mean, there, there were so many players just not picked from Tampa that they could have picked. Alex Kilhorn was not going to Seattle. He would have rather retired than go to Seattle. Did you did you hear, did you hear that on Spin Chickless today? Or I did. Hear, I did. Yeah, he, I, he said on the podcast, he's like, I don't want to go to Seattle. He did say that honestly. Like I, I mean, I, I mean, look at who they passed up. They passed up on Carey Price, and that's probably because they didn't want to eat up a lot of his eat up his contract. Obviously, they passed up on Vladimir Tarasenko. Who wants out of St. Louis? By the way, They're, they he wanted to, he wanted to be traded out. Well, and, he also has them. The my issue is uh, Seattle came out and basically said they don't care about the salary cap, and then not to take Tarasenko. Like, are you? There must have been going something on behind the scenes there because if how do you not take Tarasenko? Well, that's 
funny that you actually say that there because the thing is though is uh the guy i work with i told you about um uh, the habs uh, habs fan we were talking about it like um uh, we were actually talking about it in a meeting today about like how there could potentially be backroom deals happening because yeah, yeah the expansion draft is like you know they get they get like a good amount of uh people for their roster from the expansion draft but they still have the actual draft where they have pick where they where, where they will have picks and then they also have rfas and ufas uh, that will be hitting the market uh once free agency happens so who knows what's going to happen there once that happens but i mean honestly this roster right now looks honestly like complete dog shit and a number of these players Honestly, if you ha- don't follow hockey, like watch hockey on a re- on a consistent and regular basis, you would not know who. I would say you wouldn't know who eighty percent of the people are on this roster. Well, actually, I want to take back my comment from earlier about them only having really one or two good picks. Geo, the Giordano pick was smart because he'll probably be the captain of that team from the Flames. I mean, they need a leader. Yes, Calgary didn't protect him because they wanted to protect a younger defenseman. Which I understand because I think Giordano only had one more year on his contract, anyways, with Calgary. And then Adam Larson from the Oilers. I also like that. Like, if these picks are true, from what we've seen leaked today, um, the Adam Larson one and both of them, uh, all these leaks honestly look like good. Look like um, they're turning out to be true. Like I said, I'm not. Uh, it's not like we're having some Joe Schmuck uh, reporter uh, talk about it. We're having like actual insiders from TSN, like Frank Saravelli and Pierre LeBron, and even like you know some yeah. local news outlets from like the local me- the local markets talking about like. Um, the Buffalo News uh, was the one to report that uh, William Borgen was the was the pick that was coming from the Sabers, and I mean, I was hoping Seattle would be kind of stupid to take Jeff Skinner's contract. Well, I was hoping for Skinner as well, but being a Sabers fan, we're not going to miss much in Borgen, in my opinion. Well, they I mean, young talent, but I don't think. I don't think he would ever going to be like a top two D like maybe, maybe if he's lucky top four, well, I always think he's going to be a bottom two defensive pair player. Okay. I see. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. I mean, the only thing is though, is that like lately, like with what's been going on with the Sabres in terms of like what the front office is doing is that they must really have a, like, the interest for Ristolainen must be there in terms of getting that pick and that pro- and that uh, and that and that top pros- top defensive prospect um, uh, to replace him. Then they they must be really banking on that if uh, they let Seattle take Borgen uh, if that's happening. Because uh, I remember seeing I think it was yesterday, maybe a couple of days ago that. Um, what was it? Winnipeg and Montreal were actually cons- seriously considering like to well, start we- the shot. Can we say fuck off with the Winnipeg talk? Because that's been for like the past three years now that yeah. we've heard that we have heard Winnipeg has been interested in resalining and nothing ever happens with them. I mean, because we've heard they don't, they, really, they, don't ha- they don't really have any, honestly, they don't know what to give up, and potentially they really don't have anything really to give up well, to Especially Buffalo not now. Out. I mean, they I would have took Line A for Risto, but Line A is gone now and uh they really just don't. I mean, they're not going to give up Shifley. No, well, yeah, they're not going to. They don't up really. Shifley. They don't really have any solid defenseman that I would want from Winnipeg. No, not really, honestly. I mean, it's kind of crazy, but yeah, no. I mean, the Borgen pick make like you know, 
It's a whatever. I mean, I hey, I'm just glad that uh, when the protected list came out that I saw Andres Bjork's name on the protected list. So that was good yeah. there. If he wasn't on the protected list, I was probably going to lose it just a little bit uh, at the management. But um, yeah, no, I was hoping Seattle would have been stupid and uh, just taken up Skinner's contract and say, hey, we're taking you. Because like you said, they, they didn't care about the salary cap. They didn't care about any cap issues. And they, uh, they don't have to worry about their cap hits for five years anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's just a whatever. But, like, let's let me actually, like, go down the list here and just name off these picks here that may or may not be true according to all these leaks. And we'll start with the forwards. So, we have Jordan Eberle, Yanni Gord, Jonas Don, Don, Donskoy, Jon, Jonas Donskoy from the Avs, Brandon Tanev from the Penguins, Jared McCann from the Leafs, Cal Yarncrook, I, I don't know if I, I, I probably butchered, butchered that name, but he's from the Predators. Tyler Pitlick, Pitlick from the Coyotes. Mason Appleton from the Jets. Nathan Bastion from the Devils. Morgan Geeky from the Hurricanes. Colin Blackwell from the Rangers. John Quinville from the Blackhawks. Alex True from the Sharks. Carson Twarinski, Twarinski from the Twarinski from the Flyers and Cole Lind from the Canucks. Those are the forwards. I mean, when you really look at that, like I mean, like if you really don't follow hockey on a consistent basis, you're not gonna. You'd probably know maybe like two or three names there. Yeah, no, I mean, there is no no really true huge names really going to. It seems like that they're going for more of this young talent than they are kind of when Vegas did it. They kind of took the old veterans and players who proved themselves in the league already, really, for the most part, and they really have created themselves a dynasty already. I mean, to come into the league and be as dominant as they are, but I don't see this team coming in to the league and just dominating because all these players that they picked up, are really young players and it looks like they're building for the future already. Yeah. As an expansion team, that might not be the best thing you could have done. Oh no, not at all. As an expansion team, probably not. Let me go into the defense and goaltenders here. The only pick that really hasn't been leaked out is from the Red Wings. So I will point that out before I go into that. But yeah, they took Mark Giordano from the Flames, Carson Soucy from the Wild, Hayden Fleury from the Ducks, Curtis McDermott from the Kings, Jeremy um, uh, Lausen from what logo is that? Oh, from the Bruins, uh, Jamie Olakizak from the Stars, Olisiak, 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 because there's a K there. Um, uh, from the stars, Gavin Bayruther from the Blue Jackets. We mentioned Borgen, Kale Flurry from the Habs, and then Adam Larson and Vince Dunn from both from the Oilers and the Blues. I like and the Adam Larson pick. I do. That's a that's a good pick. Kale Flurry though, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> oh my god! And he, and he was in the minors. He was in the fucking. He was playing for Laval. No, oh. I, say, I don't. I don't remember him getting. I, he barely got any ice time in the. I think they played a couple games in playoffs this year. Yeah, barely, barely played I, a couple I games. Don't, I don't even know if he 
probably not even on the ice for that long to be fair. No, he, he's been in Laval the entire season. Yeah, I was, was going to say, I don't even think this kid saw play. I mean, I get, what is he? He's like, what, 22 years old still? 22, yep. He's 22 years old. He got drafted, what, in 2018? Maybe that was a nine, no, 17? Was that, that might have been the 17 draft? Whatever. Yeah. But I mean, why why you take him? Why you taking a kid that hasn't seen time in the major in the fucking NHL yet? He hasn't seen time in the big show. Yeah, exactly. And now you want to take him? Like I think yeah. the most the most NHL time he saw was in preseasons. But that's the only time I've ever seen him in a Canadian's jersey. Exactly. Like you're taking someone that came out of Laval, and then even Gavin Bayroofter. He's listed. He's been in the minors most of last season. Like he didn't. I, I mean, I didn't follow. I'm, gonna, the Blues. I'm a hockey fan. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I've never heard that name before. Exactly. Like, like you. Like I said, you're really talking to look at this roster. Let's get into the goaltenders. Joey Decord oh from God. the Sens, Vitek Vanacek from the Capitals, and Chris Dreiger from the fucking Florida Panthers. Well, they, Vanek is going to Vanacek. Vanacek is going to be the starter. Clearly. Yeah, but Chris Dreiger, who actually, like, isn't bad. Like, that's actually, like, not a bad pick. But f- I'm looking at Florida. Like, you have, like, him and Spencer Knight, and you think maybe that would be your <laughs> – I don't know what Florida – Florida should have uh, – Florida should have um, – uh, if they actually had brains. I understand they don't want to look stupid with that Bobrovsky contract, but they should have put him on the list and kept Dreiger. Because I'm pretty sure Seattle will have been stupid and actually taken Bobrovsky because he is terrible. So well, Dreiger's not great. Still better than Bobrovsky, though. But I yeah, I so, could... but, but but I mean, look at the name you just said that they're down in Florida, though. They have Spencer Knight, who is going to be that team's number one. Yeah, I I think they just didn't want to have any conflict of interest here because I'm pretty sure next year Spencer Knight's going to be the number one, and Bobrovsky will be the number two. That's and it also they, probably has a point in saying that they don't want to look stupid giving Bobrovsky the contract as a reason. They're going to look stupid leaving them. They're going to look stupid having I mean, isn't Dreiger getting old in age anyway? I'm, what is he, 28, 29? He's only 27. Oh, but, okay. he is, he, but he is the unrestricted free agent at the end of uh, this upcoming yeah, season, exactly. too. So they didn't – well, they're losing him for nothing regardless. Well, I mean, you to look at it, though, with a lot of these teams, too. If guys only have like one, say like one year left on their contract, they don't have any chance that plans on bringing them back, then they're just gonna give them up right away, and that's probably the case here. That's fair there. And then Joey Decord from the Sens. I mean, like that's trash, just trash. Yeah, it's terrible. It's fucking terrible. Like I said, I like I don't know like what Ron Francis is thinking, but then again, he all, look at the head coach that they hired, and I know you and I talked about this earlier um, in terms of it. Um, like obviously like you know maybe with the interview for when they hired their coach like okay yeah we see something good in you like in your interviews but at the same time like there were so many like i'm just really i i know this isn't the final roster i know they still have the draft i know they still have the free agency period too but it's in my opinion like and i could be completely completely proven wrong proven completely wrong here but and I mean, if I am, then good for Seattle, but it's not looking like they're going. It's not like they're going to hit the ground running and do anything. No, it's not going like to exactly be like this Vegas team who went to the Cup their first season. That's for sure. No, they're I mean, going to be a work in progress for sure, and they might be a team that is honestly just gets ran through this season. 
Probably. There's be every other team's punching bag. Yeah, except for, except for the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, except for Buffalo. Them and Buffalo are literally going to be We're like going to be fighting for that number one pick again. Actually, I don't even think we're allowed the number one pick anymore with the uh, new rules, unless uh, it starts next year. Maybe, potentially. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I have no clue what the hell – I mean – I mean, honestly, like it, it's kind, of, it, 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 it's a whatever to like, you know, we'll we'll see what happens, honestly, and we'll see what happens with the moves that they make in the uh, in the draft, and also like with any RFAs and UFAs as well, because like you said, there's there's probably some backroom deals happening right now. Well, there's of course just, there is. I mean, it happens in all. The, it happen. It happens in every sport. I mean, like you know, it happens in every sport where these backroom deals happen and whatnot. So I so I mean. Whatever happens, happens, I guess. But I don't know. I, I really, I was really hoping that Seattle actually like would have had made some better picks with their roster. And, and I'm not saying, yeah, I want them to take all, take all like the well, especially with their, especially with the sick unis they have going to be rocking next year too. And you're going to have a trash team in those uniforms. It's a joke. You're going to have trash team in that uniform. You're going to have a brand new arena that's being built. And I mean, yeah, people in are going to go. Defense, to- so who the fuck is going to want to play in Seattle? Seattle is not a hockey town. Well, I mean, we don't know that yet. But, we don't know that yet. But, I mean, look at it. I mean, you got the Seahawks there, and you got the Mariners, and then you got the Seattle Sound, which Sounders. there's three Sounders. Fuck off. Um, there's already three professional teams there, and do you think people are actually going to care about this hockey team? I mean, I get they're kind of close to the Canadian border, so it might help them. But I just don't think this team's going to be a hockey town, to be honest, especially if this team's bad. Well, we'll see. I mean, you have to like they'll they'll probably have a packed crowd for the home opener. Then you've got to see like how their opening slate is, and then go from there, I guess. Because and then just go from there, and then also just see how they market and promote the team too. I mean, like market. It comes down to a lot of marketing and promotions on just on a daily basis for. You know, just trying to get asses in the seats or yeah. and people interested in them because I mean, you're I'm like you know we don't know if Seattle is a hockey town yet. I mean, obviously, like Seattle has been trying for years to you know get a third sports team, whether it was getting into the NHL or bringing back an NBA franchise. Uh, even even though they have the Seattle Storm still there, their WNBA franchise. Um, uh, who, if I am correct, uh, are the defending WNBA champions? But still, but still, though, like you know, you are you correct. The, I am correct. But yeah, you have the you have the Seahawks, who with this hockey team is going to be competing with uh, because hockey starts right around the same time, like right after football. So they'll be in the heart of football season. And I mean, like the Mariners, like you don't need to worry about them because let's be honest here, the Mariners. Well, honestly, the Mariners are actually looking pretty decent right now in the West. But um, for the most part, you don't expect a team like the Seattle Mariners to be playing in playing October baseball for the most part. Um, so you so it's just pretty much up in the air with how the team starts once all the moves and transactions are completed and just go from there. But right now it's it's not looking good, in my honest opinion. But um, but then again, honestly, we could be wrong. Every you know, most Saber fans and most Saber fans nowadays don't realize like when the team actually first came into the league back in 1970, they actually were pretty good. They were actually pretty fucking decent. I mean, like, yeah, La Fontaine right away. No, not La Fontaine. French Connection. Well, Perot was the first pick, 
And then Martin and Robert joined, and then they had Gare, and then you know they had Gary Desjardins and Gold. Was too. it Lafontaine pick with that our first pick in the draft though, or am I thinking am I years couple years that or two? You're you're about ten ten to you're about ten to fifteen you're about ten to fifteen years off there, buddy. No, piss off, man. Oh, you're you're right. Never mind. You're right. You're right. No, sorry, no, okay. it's been a long day. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I forgive, oh, you. I forgive you. But the thing is, though, is like, you know, like I said, I'm just going into that because like, you know, us Sabres fans have been used to mediocrity for the past decade. And there's a whole generation of Sabres fans that don't like, oh, everybody talks about like 06, 05, 06, and 06, 07. And then F- and, and even like the 99, the, ni- the 90s teams, uh, you know, up until 1999, but nobody actually like realizes that like in the seventies and eighties, the team was actually pretty good. Like they had great, they had good players on the team, uh, you know, ca- caliber players like that. So we'll, we'll see what happens with Seattle there, but um, going, you know, continuing with Seattle and just the rest of the league as a whole, honestly, um, the draft is on Friday. And once again, I still don't know much about it. Uh, I'll have you take it away. All right, well, clearly the obvious number one this year uh, since how he looked in the World Juniors is Owen Power. I mean, the kid is just an absolute unit. I mean, he's 6'6", 215 some odd pounds. Um, just, <coughs> excuse me, unreal. Um, played for Canada in the, the World Championships, had himself an absolute tear of, of a tournament. Um, he played for Michigan this uh, for college this year. And uh, so he'll be the obvious number one choice for the Sabres. Um, after that, you might have – I could literally probably name six of the guys right now that will probably could go second, really. I mean, you got Mason McTavish, who – I mean, and uh, Kent Johnson, who are the probably the best two centers in this draft, to be honest. Um, you got Luke Hughes, who is the 6'2 defender. Um Played for uh, the USA uh, U18 team this year, and then uh, and also just Team USA in the uh, World Championships. Um, but there's no really, I mean, from what I'm hearing about Owen Power, is he is going to be unreal supposedly. But that I mean, that's just a talk you get every year with draft picks. I mean, there's no one really stand out like as of right clearly. We're gonna have the diamonds in the rough. We're gonna come out and just dominate this league like every draft has with those guys. But yeah, um, exactly. there's no one really huge. I mean, one guy that I actually love is uh Francisco uh Polini, who played for Kitchener in 2018, 2019, and then he went over to the Austrian league and had himself a pretty good uh type of season. I mean, it was hard this year because a lot of the leagues weren't playing. I mean, he played 13 games this season in the Austrian league. He had five goals and six assists in 13 games, which isn't bad for, especially for a kid who is going to be turning 18, but he, he's not one of the top ranked prospects. So that's one kind I'm looking for, but uh, really there's just no one besides Owen Powell really just kind of stands out to him. Like, yeah, he's going to be something special. I mean, I wish the Sabres would have got the first overall draft pick next year, the year after that because there's two studs coming out in the next two years that are going to go number one overall. And they're, they're supposed to be like the next Conor McDavid, both of them. So I'm just, we're going to see where it takes us, but. 
Yeah, no, that's understandable there. Like I said, I'm not. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know much about the draft, honestly. I don't. I I take a look at things and then, like you know, looking at it on this at a at a fan perspective as a fan of the Sabers, obviously. You know, Sabers Twitter with their infinite with infinite wisdom. They always, you know, everybody. They all try to play general manager. They all try to play GMKA or GMTM or <laughs> GMJB or GMDR or whatever. Uh, for those that don't know who the po- uh, don't listen, don't know any of those. Um, uh, for fr- for the people that listen to the podcast, uh, I literally just named off the last like f- general managers of the la- the of the last few years in Sabres history: um, Darcy Regeer, uh, Jason Bottrill, Tim Murray, uh, Kevin Adams. Not in that particular order, um, uh, but uh, oh, I oh, I guess you could say GM uh, GMPL too. Even though Pat Lafontaine technically wasn't uh, the general manager, but he was brought in to uh, you know help find them. Wasn't uh, but, he here for like one day and then just? He was here for like above three months. I feel like was it that long? It was. I remember. I remember it being like maybe a month. Uh, I feel like it was longer than that, honestly, but I could be wrong there too. That, but that I mean, going... still, one month, three months. I mean, he wasn't here very long. That long, exactly. Not <laughs> at all. But um, uh, the thing is, though, is like when it comes looking at you know Sabres Twitter, Sabres fans, whatnot, they all want to be like the general manager and feel, you know, give their quote unquote expert opinion on like what to do with the pick. We say um, this all the fucking time. Sabres Twitter is the worst. Oh, yeah, 100%. There's no other – I'll put money on it. There's no – maybe Toronto. But there's no – Yeah, there's, Toronto. Toxic, Twitter's pretty bad. There's no other toxic fan base like talking Buffalo Sabres Twitter. It is terrible to look at. Have you ever seen Canucks Twitter? Uh, I got myself – I've never got that far into the, uh, the official – I've gone down the rabbit hole into Canucks Twitter at one point, and it is pretty fucking bad. Oh boy. All they do is just shit on each other, and they, <laughs> they they just shit on each other for the most part, and they just shit on like the Canucks organization, and then they call each other, and then they literally just like call each other fucking idiots or whatever. I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty fun. This is, so hockey Twitter, hockey Twitter just is universal. They all try to be the general manager of the team. Some Twitter fan bases are worse than others, obviously. We'll put say the Sabers, Vancouver, and Toronto up in that echelon, and then uh, and then of course everybody. Montreal always... too is actually pretty bad. I've been down Montreal's rabbit hole a couple times, and Montreal's is bad as well. Well, they hate. But I mean, that, that's like that's like the that that is like the cathedral of hockey town, though. Yeah, Montreal. but the thing is, though, when you went down that Twitter uh, that rabbit hole with uh, Canadians Twitter, th- uh, how much of it did you understand? Because I'm pretty sure you most know, of it wasn't were... French. There was a couple. There was a couple of American tweets there. Most of my head to hit translate tweet for me. So okay. going on. I, had to, I had to use a translate tweet bomb because I really there was a couple like there was a couple English English tweets there, but for the most part it was all in that French Canadian that they, yeah. they that they speak up there, Las Habas. Yes, La Habitant. Yes. Uh, so yeah, it was all in French. Damn, I kind of figured that. But um uh no, so but the thing is, though, is like it always kind of like annoys me, like with this time of the year. And honestly, in any sport, honestly, with any draft, except for baseball, I really don't follow the baseball draft because it's too complicated, still, in my opinion. But whenever it comes to the NHL draft or the NBA draft or the NFL draft, every fan base thinks they're the general manager and it kind of annoys me. So I literally just like wait until night one and I'll turn on the TV. And if my team makes a pick that I like, I go, yay. And if they don't, I go, what the fuck are you doing, you idiots? 
Um, uh, but going off of that uh, little rant there, in terms of it, um, I mean, we'll just see what Kevin Adams does. I mean, I, am I, I, I can't, I still can't trust like what this organization does with any transaction that they do, honestly. Um, whether last season, I, I'm gonna be honest. Last season, I loved all the picks we made in the offseason under Kevin Adams, and it just turned out they didn't pan out. I mean, on paper, they looked like great picks. So, I mean, I'm not gonna fault the guy for that. That people just didn't work out. No, not at all. I'm not going. So, to... I'm not. I'm not ready to throw him under the bus yet. Um, I mean, like, I'm not gonna throw him under the bus completely. Uh, in terms of it, though, I'm blaming the. I'm blaming like the people that develop these kids, honestly. Because the thing is, though, is like, and we've, we've talked about this before, and we don't need to go too much into it. But once again, I really don't. Try, like, it all depends on how well the organization can develop these kids. And that's just not, and that's not just within the Sabres. That's in every hockey organization from Buffalo up to Seattle and anywhere in between, honestly, like it all depends on, you know, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This kid looks like a great fit for our team, but the thing is there. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, that, well, um, <laughs> you saw what I sent you on Twitter. Uh, yeah, that's from three or days Instagram. ago, my guy. That's from I three know. days ago. But, but um, now this uh, can throw shit on a on a ceiling real fast because that because yeah. that, that would make more sense to me. That's from yeah, that's from three days ago that you're sending me this here. No, now, I know, I know, I am. But it's in, but it's still interesting there. Okay, I guess I'll go off my little rant. I'll get up. My, I'll get off my soapbox right now. But apparently, like one of the backroom deals that we talked about that could potentially be happening um, in the expansion draft are looking for are the like if it would have happened if if this were to happen um, for now, um, I guess maybe you know they would have tried to tr- they the Seattle would have taken Tarasenko and sent him to Philly. Am I reading that right? No. So there's going to be a trade between Philly and St. Louis that is going to send Tarasenko to the Kraken. Oh, okay. I read. Okay. So, so Philadelphia would trade, be traded, trade, he would be traded to Philly and then Seattle would take him if that were the case. I mean, like I said, this is from like a couple of days ago compared to now right, where right. the leak says that they took a Vin- They ended up taking Vince Dunn which um, uh, is a whatever there, but that would be very, very interesting there. I mean, they could still potentially take him just via trade anyways. Right. Uh, Especially since Tarasenko wants out, it wouldn't be too out of the question, but just no. as a matter of the fact where Tarasenko wants to go because he still does have that no move clause there, unless he completely waived it, he's kind of really decided where he wants to go. But yeah. I, guess, I guess we'll find out. I mean, the draft starts in three minutes from when we're recording this, not to now, um, where people are going to end up. But I just don't see Tarasenko wearing that Blues uniform anymore. No. Especially with how they handled his shoulder surgeries. Considering he had to get three of them now done because the team messed up the first two. Yeah, they've completely botched that there. But, yeah, that is pretty interesting there. But I'm going to hop back on my soapbox right now. And, you know, like you said, talking and actually, I'm glad that you brought that up, you know, talking about how teams fuck things up because it connects to my soapbox with developing these kids. And 
getting them to where they need to be. Hockey, the hockey draft, the NHL draft is always interesting to me because it's not like the NBA draft or the NFL draft where like, yeah, you get drafted and then like whatever happens, happens to you. You get drafted in the the NHL. You're not going to see the unless you're like Jack Eichel, Connor McDavid, Alexi Lafreniere, um, or whoever, or Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, Patrick Kane, you know, people from, you know, people like that, like, you know, once in a, once in a generate, a generational talent for the most part, like you're not going to see the NHL right away. For the most part, you're going to be going through the system. You'll be, you, you may choose to play overseas. You may choose to play in college. Uh, if you go to college and do college hockey, um, you may, uh, you may stick it out in the minors for a little bit. Um, so it's always interesting to see how the development plan works there and what happens on, on with that there. But, I mean, we'll see what happens on Friday. We'll see what happens tonight if all of these leaks are true. Um, I mean, I, I really don't have any. I'm gonna, like I said, I'm going to hop off the soapbox now about hockey. Do you have anything else to add, whether it's expansion draft or actual draft? Do you want to go on a rant about the Sabres? I mean, it's up to you, sir. The floor is yours. I'd rather save a rent for the Sabres until right around the season starts or probably about 10 games into the season. We're probably like one and nine. I'd rather save my complaints for then because there's no point for me to rant about a team that's already dog shit in the summer uh, to make my mood worse right now. I'm I'm concerned with my mental health at some points, and that team just doesn't help it. Yeah. Um, I, I'd, I, rather, I'd rather not go on a rant with this team right now. I mean, I think – I don't think Eichel gets moved now from what I'm saying. I don't think Eichel is moved, though. Um, no. I think Ryan, uh, Reinhardt and Reese Linen are probably both moved, but I don't see Eichel being moved. Um, but if that's the case, I also don't see Eichel starting the season in the jersey because he's going to hold off his surgery, I would presume. Um, yeah, that's fair. So Dave I don't know actually, if he actually – I, I don't know if he actually, like, how much of the season actually play, but I think he's kind of has the cards in his table right now. Unfortunately, as much as it's like we're paying him so much and for him, I mean, I can't go in depth on it because clearly we're not in the room saying what's going on with everything. Of course. But uh, right now this is like a shitty situation where it kind of seems for the most part, like Michael wants out um, unless maybe he's happy with us hiring Granado. I don't know if that changes anything, but it's just, it's just tough right now to be a Sabres fan. Understandable there. Understandable. I completely agree with you there. Yeah, we don't need to rant on them all a lot. Uh, we got our points across with the expansion draft and the draft as a whole. Um, I mean, I don't, I'm going to get off my soapbox on hockey. Like you said, the mental health is important. We need to work on that there. I do want to shift focus real quick to not like uh, to basketball, actually, because like I said, we are now officially in the dog days, in my opinion, because the NBA finals came to an end last night as the Milwaukee Bucks ended a 50 year championship drought and won their second NBA title over the Phoenix Suns in six games coming off of a 50 point performance, uh, which honestly was just insane altogether from finals MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, and honestly, like I watching, like I watched, I watched the majority of the game last night um, and watching 
a fifty point performance from that from that man in a in a clinching in a clinching game too. And he hit his free throws. Seventeen for nineteen on free throws. I mean, where has well, that been all season in playoffs? It just overnight something magical happened to him, and now he's making free throws. He was at home, and nobody was ch- counting up to ten. <laughs> Fair enough, but he wasn't even taking the. He was actually getting his free throws off fast yesterday. Yeah, well, when you want when you want to when you want to when you want to win when you want that title, guy, guy, you got you just gotta find that extra gear or whatever in whatever aspect right. of your game. But, but no, last night it did seem like that was Milwaukee's game, um, especially the second half of the. Second half of the second quarter, and then from the rest of the game on, it just seemed like that game was at Milwaukee's advantage. They kind of just dominated the Suns and did really whatever they wanted. Um, they locked the they locked the Suns up defensively. I mean, you saw Chris Paul struggling. You saw Devin Booker. Um, they were all struggling to get theirs, especially DeAndre Ayton is a big human being, but he looks small compared to Antetokounmpo. I'd like. I don't know why it took me all serious to realize that, but them two next to each other, like, Aiden looks small. Oh, yeah, he was a small man in a big man's world. It was crazy, honestly. I mean, watch uh, – I, I blame coaching on that, honestly, because if you watched how Giannis performed, like, the last couple of seasons in the playoffs, like, he was being physically – he was being brutalized, like, down in the paint. Uh-huh. Like, he wasn't being uh, getting being allowed to do get away with anything. So, mm-hmm. like, that was just on good coaching from – Eric Spolstra in 2020 and Nick Nurse in 2019 when Seattle, when uh, yeah, Seattle hockey still, but um, uh, when Milwaukee ended up losing uh, to Toronto in 2019 and then to Miami in 2020. So obviously it's, you know, I kind of blame Monty Williams there for allowing that to happen with that small man in a big man's world. But the thing is, though, is kudos to Giannis uh, to exploit that. Um, Honestly, you know, he like he was just a man on a mission there. So I really, you know, it's just kudos to him. Kudos to the Bucks. I mean, I do want to give commiserations to the Phoenix Suns because they had a hell of a season, honestly. I mean, two years ago, they had they were probably the worst team in the league, obviously the worst team in the league. Um, then with what happened in the bubble, they go 8-0 in the bubble last year. Uh, just get fucked out of going to the playoffs, in my opinion, still. But it's a whatever. And they, co- and they come within two wins of the NBA Finals. I'm not like, yeah, they had a 2-0 lead and they fucking bottled it. But, I mean, they still, like, had a great season. I mean, nobody expected them to win the Western Conference. Nobody expected them to go up 2-0 in the finals. Um, but the thing is, though, is that, like, nobody really expected Milwaukee to win the title either, uh, which is nice. So I would have been okay with either of these teams winning. But for the most part, I mean, it is what it is there. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of just – I'm just kind of glad that basketball is over um, because the thing is, though, is, like, hockey, um, when Montreal ended up losing to Tampa in five – I was just kind of like, you know, done. I'm like, it's July, it's summer. We don't need the, we don't need, uh, we don't need these playoffs going on any longer than they need to be. So I was kind of, like I said, uh, I forget who I told this to, uh, may have been my dad, may have been a friend of mine, but um, based on how the schedule has been going for the finals, I'm like, I just want Milwaukee to win because the season does not need to be extended by three more days. Yeah. I mean, it- 
it is nice to be over with um, Giannis. Unfortunately, I know I said this podcast before, I want him to be the guy that can't get it done um, in playoffs and to be known as that. But uh, last night really made me respect him and just the game he put on. Um, I think Milwaukee was just going to win that series no matter how many games it was after coming back down from – they were down 0-2, especially after coming back, making it two games two, then three games to two. At that point, you just kind of felt like it was Milwaukee series. So, yeah, no, that's understandable there. That's understandable. So, kudos to the Milwaukee Bucks, 2021 NBA champions. Um, nobody, I, I mean, honestly, like if you actually like you know followed basketball, you probably wouldn't have seen that coming based on like all the super team crap that happens in the league. But at the same time, it is a whatever there too. So once again, kudos to Giannis, kudos to the Bucks. Um, yeah, and it is nice to see two going off that super team point. It is nice to see two teams in the finals that never created a super team uh, to try to get there, and just teams with just uh, one superstar. And the well, I mean, I guess the Suns you can really say had two superstars, but just the right pieces around them and winning. I mean, no one wanted to see Brooklyn Nets win. No one wanted to see LeBron win another one because of him getting AD. Um, so it was nice to see these two teams in the finals. And it was probably one of the most fun finals to watch in a long time. Oh, 100%. 100% there. Um, but, yes, I mean, you know, we'll see uh, We'll see what happens now. I'm pretty sure that uh, one network in particular that shall be nameless is uh, already probably upset that basketball is over with and they're trying to figure out what to do with the rest of their coverage before uh, football starts. Oh wait, training, oh, wait, training camp is starting in a few days. I think they'll be fine. They'll probably rant about the Cowboys or whatever. God knows what uh, on first. Well, it's, it's going to be the Cowboys year, according to them. Uh, oh, I gave the network away. I said uh, I said one of their shows. I I mentioned first take there, but, but <laughs> I think uh, everyone knew who you were talking about. I think so too. I think so too. But uh, speaking of uh, football, actually, uh, I saw this today, and I don't know how true it is, but it looks like that these reports are very interesting. And I and I didn't talk to you about this, but I talked to another friend of mine. But uh, even though college football is still like a few weeks away texas and oklahoma reached out to the sec uh, about potentially joining their conference and leaving the big 12 what do you think of that i mean i do like that because the sec is just a power conference of college football and texas and oklahoma are both power teams i mean you want to see the best teams play each other so why not give it to us yeah, I mean, I can see, like, where you're coming from, but I don't know. I've just never been a fan of, like, all these teams, like, switching conferences or whatever. Like, it's always been, you know, I, I don't well, know. Create, I, a, create, a fo- create a college football Super League. Fuck it. Might as well. Literally just take Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, put them in the SEC, and you'll be great. I mean – my thing is, is that like I like I said, I think I'm kind of old school about this, but like I, I, I really like you know like yeah, your age is showing. Yeah, my age is showing. Yeah, I'm I'm younger than you for fuck's sake, <laughs> fucking hell. But um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I like I said, I feel old school about this because like you know, it, even though it's been a few years now, it still feels weird seeing Syracuse in the ACC and you know people saying that they are rivals with um. 
you know, Duke and North Carolina for basketball. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. It's still fucking weird to me. I don't think that's the case. Um, it's still it's it's weird seeing Maryland not in the ACC, even though that's been almost a, about a decade or longer now. It's been a long time. Yeah. So, like, it's very weird, and I still kind of don't like it. But I mean, you know. If it like I know like college sports now like it, it always has been at least the past like twenty years, uh, it's always been about where you can get the most money and where you can get the most exposure. And honestly, like leadership in these conferences, like the leadership, like you re- like in terms of it, like the SEC and the ACC, like they have good leadership. They can market their teams well, and they get good and they get a good amount of revenue coming into the conferences. Whereas like you have like the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve. Uh, who have terrible leadership, in my honest opinion, and they really don't market themselves well enough, except for like the power schools. Yeah. But, but the thing is, though, is like it all depends on like what happens there. I just found that interesting, honestly, because I'm like, oh shit, like you could have the Red River rivalry um, end up leaving the like Big Twelve, and they can go to a different conference, which would be insane. Um, so it's kind of insane as to what is happening. And yeah, but I mean, do you have any other thoughts on that? Um, no, not really. Cause I, my stand is kind of like my, clearly mine is different from yours as to how I feel about it. Yeah. Like I would, I, I don't know for me. Yeah. It's it, okay. If they don't give us, if they don't combine them, at least give us a bigger playoff. Like give us eight teams or like sixteen teams in college football playoffs. Well, that's what they are. That's what they're considering too. They're well, that's what I'm saying. Like they're not gonna. I would rather see like the good teams in college football play the good teams because sometimes it gets old seeing like uh, people in different conferences just fucking kill like the lower teams in that division. I'd rather see the good teams play the good teams. And to be honest, I get like once in a while. We'll get like mostly, actually, this is mostly every, but like a Georgia Notre Dame game. Like, I like seeing those. So, I like to see games like just big games like that, more meaningful games more often. Instead of having like Alabama play like the fucking Citadel the week before the Iron Bowl, yeah. or Clemson play like fucking East Carolina. Or right. Or like Notre Dame. Dame going up against Nevada. Well, that, yeah. That's just a weird one there. Yeah. But it's another thing that, it, 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 like, you know, it's weird. And this is actually going to be my final take on this uh, topic, actually. But looking at it, like, you know, we're talking about, like, how we would want a college football Super League. But yet we were bitching about a European Super League, like in European soccer. Well, because that's I, different. You can't have Barcelona and Real Madrid play each other, like, every other week. I, right. Yeah, that, no, that's, like, exactly that's different. That. Like, college football is different and – I'm sorry, these fans don't care as much about American football as European fans do about their football. Like, I am sorry, you can't tell me that if Alabama sucked at football, their fans would care as much as they do. Exactly. Exactly. I agree there. I wholeheartedly agree there. But, yeah, I, like I said, we have a couple, we have different takes there. Um, how it's compared to like with the European Super League, that makes complete sense there too. Mm-hmm. But the thing, yeah, you know, it's I don't know. Um, 
it is what it, I mean. Like if Texas and Oklahoma actually go further than than like you know just introductory talks about leaving the Big Twelve, that's like when that's when you know the wheels will be in motion about what's happening and whatnot. So it's you know that that's something I guess if you want to keep an eye out on uh, before the college football season starts because obviously a big move like that isn't going to happen overnight. Honestly. Um, so we'll see what happens if anything comes to fruition out of that, which would definitely be interesting. But, um, do you have any, uh, do you have any final thoughts on anything that we haven't talked about, uh, on the podcast today, sir? Um, no, it's just a fucking boring time without sports going on. Um, but so far watching the crack in draft, um, all the picks that have been reported have been correct. So you guys, if you don't watch the draft, are more than likely going to see every player that Jeremy named for you guys is going to be correct tonight. Except for the Red Wings pick because we, well, didn't, actually, know yeah, the Red... yeah, we didn't know the Red Wings pick. They but, didn't uh, leak it. That's why. They, yeah. They're just like, here, we'll give you some scrub. But No, unfortunately, though, Will Borgen did go from the Sabres. Um, Seattle didn't balls up and take Jeff Skinner from us. They didn't fucking take Skinner to the fucking you know, this is Fuck why you. This is why I'm going to hate Seattle just for that them not taking Skinner from us. Um, I will not be buying any crack in apparel. Um, they can all piss off right now. Yeah, the fucking cowards didn't take Skinner to the assholes. How dare they? Fucking cowards. I knew that. Uh, I mean, I was hoping they would be stupid enough too, but I guess they're not that stupid. But, um, uh, no, I don't have any final thoughts either. Um, I do want to say this, though. Last weekend, the Yankees finally beat the Boston Red Sox. And, you know. Thank you, Fiska. <laughs> Get our weekly you know, shit talk in the Fiska. Yeah. So, um, I mean, they finally beat the Boston Red Sox. They took a series from the Red Sox, too. And, they practiced, and you know, I was going to tell a friend, of the po- a friend of the program, a friend of the pod, that the Red Sox were actually good this year. And then I saw them lose to the fourth-place New York Yankees, and I'm just like, you know what? They're not good. You can't well, be mate, you, I, you, There's a top of your division, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry yeah. to bring that up to you. No, that's and fair. I know, I, you know, I know you know, but I'm sorry. No, I know that we're 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 very. All right, very, the Rays the Rays are gonna win that division. It's fine. The Yankees are very very inconsistent. Um, uh, it was brought gotta up. Gotta get Garrett Cole more of the sticky stuff. Let him pitch every <laughs> night. Yeah, gotta get. Uh, yeah, and your Mets have to keep the Grom off the I, uh, off the IL. I don't even want to get started on him. No, we'll we'll talk baseball I, I next week. Yeah, thank you because he this man is always injured. Always yeah, we'll, consistently we'll talk- injured. We'll talk baseball next week. We we will honestly next week it will next week um uh, get 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 your baseball research going, buddy. We're going to be talking a lot of ball baseball next week. I'm good with that. Yeah, but really? um, uh, but yeah, you know, I just had to bring that little dig at Paiska. <laughs> I know that the Yankees are going to Boston this weekend for a four game wraparound for a four game uh for four game series uh, at Fenway and he'll probably come chirping at me too, but you know what? <laughs> I, I just wanted my 30 seconds because uh, 30 I'm, seconds of fame, my 30 seconds, you know, just, uh, just to brag, honestly, but uh, I have no other comments to say. Um, once again, uh, that concludes another episode of the lonely heart sports podcast, uh, two dudes in a podcast edition because we're in the dog days. 
You can download, listen to, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts because there's hundreds of platforms. You can also follow us on social media as well. We are not very active on social media. I do apologize there. We have full-time jobs. Uh, this is pretty This We don't monetize it. But, uh, I, yeah, honestly, I, that's all I have there. And just keep on keeping on. I got, I, got, I got one thing to say before we close up. Oh, if okay. you do want to be our social media manager, hit, hit me or Jeremy up on any of our social media platforms because we will gladly give it to you guys because we suck at social media. We're like old men when it comes to that. So oh, I'm not an old man when it comes to Twitter. I just tweet more oh. in mine. You created the Twitter account, and I I gave you the, I gave you the login stuff. It wouldn't let me log in. I think maybe I needed to log into your personal one. I'm not trying to log into your personal Twitter, buddy. You won't see anything there besides sports. That's <laughs> fair. That's fair. I may need to. I may need that. Uh, I may need that then to run that. Uh, that way, I can tweet more from that and less from my own because. Uh, uh, I've been I've been having ideas and I've been wanting to like you know retweet and share a lot of art, share a lot of stuff there and also put up some polls too. So um, yeah, if you can, yeah, I guess I guess uh, I guess the Twitter will will try to be more active on the Twitter. Uh, you know, I'm, I I did make that joke the Twitter. I I actually know it's called Twitter. Don't worry, I'm not that old. <laughs> but um, uh, once again, one, good podcast as always. And uh, next week we're just gonna be talking baseball because we are in the dog days of summer. And once again, just keep on keeping on. Enjoy the beautiful weather. Uh, summer uh, end of summer is gonna be approaching fast. Thank <laughs> you.